Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest from the state capitol, a fire safety reminder from State Fire Marshal Jim Smith, spring cleaning and well-being, and what's next for Golden Gopher basketball. But first, there were significant developments late this week in the Derek Chauvin trial as jury selection was underway. Judge Pete Cahill made his rulings on two motions from the defense to delay and move the trial. The purpose of a change of venue is to ensure that the defendant has a fair trial by an impartial jury. Uh, the same is true of, as the basis for the defense's latest motion to continue with the hope that uh, as time passes, people forget some of the pretrial publicity. Unfortunately, I think the pretrial publicity in this case will continue no matter how long we continue it. Uh, perhaps some of it may, with time, be forgotten by people. And as far as change of venue, I do not think that that would give the defendant any kind of a fair trial beyond what we are doing here today. I don't think there's any place in the state of Minnesota that has not been subjected to extreme amounts of publicity on this case. And of course, MNN will have all the latest developments on the Derek Chauvin trial as they occur. Switching gears now, battle lines on Minnesota's next two-year budget were officially drawn this week, while the battle over other issues became even more entangled between Republicans and the governor. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with details. Scott, state Senate Republicans released their state budget plan this week, and at the top of the list... We are not going to raise taxes. The governor continues to talk about raising taxes, even with all that money. Not going to do it. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says not only does the state have an expected budget surplus, it is receiving billions of federal dollars from the American Rescue Act. Senate Republicans are proposing nearly $600 million in COVID tax relief for businesses and individuals. They want a 5% across-the-board cut in state agency administrative spending and over $200 million for transportation, but they say no gas tax or tab fee increase. House Speaker Democrat Melissa Hortman calls Republicans' budget budget woefully inadequate, not providing enough money for education and decreasing the state's commitment to agriculture and rural development. Majority Leader Ryan Winkler says Senate Republicans are telling Minnesotans big corporations and the rich come first. Governor Tim Walz did another 30-day extension of his COVID emergency powers this week, prompting another round of attempts by Republicans to cancel them. GOP-controlled Senate passed a bill that would make it easier for the legislature to end the peacetime emergency. The bill that the Senate passed says instead of allowing the governor's emergency powers to continue until both the House and the Senate vote to cancel them, those powers would automatically end after 30 days unless the House and Senate both agreed to continue them. But there's little chance that the Democrat-controlled Minnesota House would approve that change. Crazy as I've ever seen it, our House Democrats are playing gridlock with themselves, and they won't move anything. We have all the other parties in the legislature ready to move, ready to solve these problems. Little Falls Representative Ron Creshaw as Republicans tried this week to get several bills moving that are stalled in the Democrat-controlled Minnesota House. GOP lawmakers first tried to force a vote on state tax relief for businesses who got COVID emergency loans from the federal government. But the Democratic majority said workers should get help also. Dilworth Democrat Paul Marquardt says that bill should exempt COVID unemployment benefits from state income tax, but it doesn't. Before the train leaves the 
the station. We need to make sure we bring everyone along. House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd called the Democratic majority pathetic. You have the power to help Minnesotans. You have the power to make sure the money they're getting from the federal government can stay in their pockets. But you refuse to take action. Democrats respond they want to help families as well as all businesses struggling with COVID. And Governor Tim Walz's $35 million public safety request for the Derek Chauvin trial remains stalled at the state capitol after House Republicans tried to bring up their version of the bill, but Democrats said no. Majority Leader Ryan Winkler says law enforcement mutual aid agreements are now in place. Democrats say Republicans could have voted for the bill four weeks ago, but instead let it fail. Republicans respond that bill did not have the support of law enforcement. The stalemate is over police reform measures. Governor Walls said he'd certainly like lawmakers to act, but that he has other options to keep Minnesotans safe in case of trouble during the Chauvin trial. This has become highly politically charged. It, it does impact how I approach this, but much like with COVID, the legislature has the luxury of having these theoretical discussions. I have to actually deliver and get things done. We asked the governor if lawmakers do not appropriate the $35 million, does he have enough resources available to keep people safe? Yes, I'm confident. And and one of the things is, is when you have the privilege of being governor, you also have the responsibility. My first responsibility is the safety of Minnesotans. And as I've said, this is one of those situations where we've had time to plan. The governor went into self-quarantine this week because a staff member tested positive for COVID and that forced him to postpone the State of the State address, which was originally set for Sunday. But Walls still released his revised state budget proposal, which takes into account the recently updated economic forecast that shows a long-term budget surplus rather than the deficit predicted earlier. Walls is adding a state income tax break for those who drew COVID unemployment benefits, tax breaks for businesses struggling from COVID, expanding the renter's property tax refund, and a larger increase in the working family tax credit. And the governor dropped his push for tax increases on cigarettes, large estates, and corporations, but a tax increase on top-income Minnesotans is still in Walls' proposal, drawing this response from Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. He still wants to raise taxes. Can you believe that when you think about all of the billions and billions of dollars coming in from the the federal government and our $1.6 billion surplus, he still wants to raise taxes. The governor says with the recent good economic news, it is time to make investments to support working families, ensure students catch up on learning, and help small businesses stay afloat. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Smoking is continuing to contribute to deadly house fires in Minnesota. It's an issue that State Fire Marshal Jim Smith is trying to prevent. I recently spoke with the fire marshal. Here's what he had to say. I think the biggest message is that smoking can kill you in more ways than one. Obviously, everybody's aware of the dangers as far as cancer and respiratory diseases, but smoking historically has always been the number one killer in residential fires in Minnesota. And so we've started a new campaign to get the message out to be extra careful if you are a smoker and if you have a family member uh, maybe a grandparent or somebody who doesn't have all their faculties, shall I say, it, it's so important for you to convey that message to them, be with them if, you know, you're a caregiver, if they're smoking. We just uh, don't want to see any more smoking-related deaths in the state. And I know as far as trying to prevent something like this, a lot of that can be common sense, but there's there's got to be a few things that people can do to ensure uh, that they are protecting themselves and their loved ones when it comes to smoking in a home. Most definitely. Uh, first of all, if you smoke, the best thing to do is smoke outside, uh, plain and simple. Uh, unfortunately, though, we have had many people do that, and we applaud them for that, but out on their deck or patio, they don't have the proper receptacle to put the cigarette out. They use a flower pot or something similar. Not understanding that many of these pre-planted flower pots, they're, they're packed with like a sphagnum moss or something like that that is extremely flammable as far as, you know, you put the cigarette down and it'll sit and just kind of smolder and punk for a while and then all of a sudden, boom starts up in flames, and if it's right next to your house, uh, it, it starts the house on fire. We just had a, a fire in St. Paul the other day that it, it appears to have started on the front porch, and it was a home of a known smoker. So we applaud them for smoking outside, but clearly uh, the, the receptacle that he put the cigarette out in was not sufficient. It did not uh, snuff the cigarette out completely. And I'm sure, uh, Jim, being state fire marshal, you've seen throughout the course of your career your fair share of uh, unfortunate and deadly accidents having to do with smoking in the home, Um, you know, at at the risk of sort of going down the road of scaring people straight. I'm curious, though, if you can maybe share a little bit about that and what you've seen and how that's had an impact on you. Well, I'll tell you, um, there's one fire that uh, has probably the the greatest impact on me when it comes to smoking and residential fires. And it started, or, or the incident occurred very early in my career, and we were called to a, a residential house fire, and it was very early in the morning, maybe 3 o'clock, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we got the fire out. Unfortunately, the father mother and two children died in the fire. And that was an unbelievable tragedy. What really put the exclamation point on that fire, though, was that they had a party that night. Neither of the parents smoked. 
and we have and we determined that the cause of the fire was a cigarette that had dropped onto the couch in the living room. So you can only imagine somebody who attended that party that night had to live with the knowledge of knowing their cigarette may have been the one that fell in between the cushions and killed a family of four. And that really hit home for me. That was, it was tragic beyond belief, but it was unbelievable that nobody in the home smoked. It was a guest that uh, evidently caused the fire. Uh, that is a, a a terrible story and a, and, a, and a good reminder for folks. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, it, it also sort of brings to mind the the uh, the timely reminder of checking for smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors. Obviously, we just had the time switch uh, last week, and so this is a good time to remind folks to make sure that those things are operating. Why is that so important? People have to understand that smoke alarms and CO detectors are tools that need maintenance. Once you install them, and obviously our big message is always make sure they're installed, but you have to maintain them. You have to change the batteries, and we ask that you change the batteries and test the alarms at daylight saving time because we have two of them. We have one in the spring, one in the fall, and that's a great time to change the batteries. One step beyond that, we have a lot of people calling the fire marshal's office and saying, I've got smoke alarms, but they're hardwired. They they actually connect into my home's electrical power. Do I need to do anything? And the answer is yes, because the majority of these newer alarms have a battery backup. Just in case there's a power outage or something like that, they have a battery backup, and you want to make sure that battery is working as well. State Fire Marshal Jim Smith, thank you so much for all of that useful information. We'll be sure to share it with our listeners. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you for having me on, Scott. Minnesota Matters returns after this. back to Minnesota Matters. It's the time of year many of us dive into spring cleaning. For many of us, this includes getting rid of old clothes, toys, washing windows, yard work. However, spring can also be a time for people to spring clean their thoughts, behavior, relationships, and daily life. Tasha Radel has more. All of us want to be happy and avoid suffering, yet too often we make choices that sabotage us. Today we're going to dive into Tibetan medicine, Tibet's ancient science and art of healing. It teaches that the purpose of life is to be happy and that after our basic needs are met, happiness results primarily from our own thinking. Joining me today is Dr. Miriam Cameron, head of the Yoga and Tibetan Medicine Focus Area at the U of M's Earl E. Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing. For those not familiar with Tibetan medicine, can you explain it and how it's used? Tibetan medicine is a way of life to heal the mind and body. The reason I'm so passionate about Tibetan medicine is because it adds what our Western healthcare system lacks. Uh, too often, uh, our Western healthcare system is focused on treating symptoms with medications, with technology, 
Tibetan medicine teaches that all of us are born with, uh, we, are, we are composed of energy. So we need to heal down to the level of our energy in order to live a happy, healthy life. And Tibetan medicine says the purpose of life is to be happy, which is wonderful. So it shows us how we can create a happy, healthy life and contribute to our society. Dr. Cameron, let's move to mental poisons. What do you mean by this? You know, this is the core of Tibetan medicine. In all these years I've been teaching Tibetan medicine, this is what transforms students' lives, and this is what's transformed my life. Tibetan medicine teaches that everyone wants to be happy and avoid suffering, but too often we sabotage ourselves. We make poor decisions if we engage in mental poisons. And Tibetan medicine describes three major categories of mental poisons. Number one is greed. We're never satisfied. And our culture is set up to encourage this. We always want something more. And the problem with that is if we're into that mindset and we make decisions out of that mindset of being dissatisfied, this affects our nervous system and then can lead to many chronic problems related to the nervous system and also the mind. People who are into that mindset can end up with mental health problems and uh, addictions. The second mental poison is anger. And the body doesn't know if anger is justifiable or not. If you're mad at me and I react with anger, my, you know, this is very bad for my body because when I'm angry, I get too hot and my blood pressure goes up, my heart rate goes up, my breathing rate is shallow and my tissues don't get properly oxygenated and my immune system is depressed, so I'm more vulnerable to getting illnesses. And the health problems related to this are if the body is too hot and the mind is too hot, then we can develop inflammations, infections, metabolic problems. And in fact, Western doctors, our healthcare system, is finding that a lot of chronic illness, I've heard up to a third or more of chronic illness, is because of inflammation in the body. So we're too hot. And then the third mental poison category is delusion, confusion. And that means we're too cold. You know, if I'm confused, it's hard for me to do anything. Uh, I, I might just do nothing. The depression that goes with being too cold is withdrawal, not talking, and uh, procrastinating. And if we get into the mind, that mindset to make choices, then that leads to uh, a sedentary lifestyle, um, uh, diabetes, obesity, respiratory problems, uh, and dementia. So we can heal those three mental poisons, and, and then if we can heal them, transform them into something positive, then uh, and we can create a better life. And, and just quickly, how to transform the feeling of being dissatisfied or uh, uh, greedy, always wanting something more. And we can heal that by meditating on impermanence. Everything is um, constantly changing. All phenomena are constantly changing. So why am I get, you know, thinking I need to absolutely have this? Secondly, we can heal anger by transforming the energy into compassion. 
And in Tibetan medicine, compassion doesn't simply mean caring, I care about you. Because what if you're mean to me or I don't know you? It might be hard to care for you. And it's more of a feeling. Compassion means to be kind to everyone regardless of how they behave. In in that way, then we can more easily set limits if somebody is being abusive. And the compassion exists to all beings and our planet. Tibetan medicine is very concerned about living in harmony with our planet, and we need to take good care of our planet. And then third, the third mental poison, delusion, confusion. We can heal that by developing wisdom. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Miriam Cameron, head of the Yoga and Tibetan Medicine Focus Area at the U of M's Early Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing. For more information on Tibetan medicine, check out Dr. Cameron's recently published book, Tibetan Medicine and You, A Path to Well-Being, Better Health, and Joy. It's also blessed by His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love, love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make them breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota announced this week it has parted ways with head basketball coach Richard Patino, who was officially released on Monday and took the New Mexico job on Tuesday. Golden Gopher Athletic Director Mark Coyle spoke with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm about the decision to create a job opening for men's basketball. You know, I had a chance to uh, obviously uh, talk with Richard over the past few weeks about our program and then had a chance to talk with our assistant coaches and our staff and then had a chance to talk with our student athletes and our men's basketball team and, and just told them how much I appreciate them, how much I appreciate uh, how they represent our program. And, and yes, these are difficult days, they're difficult decisions, uh, but I'm very confident. You know, I think Minnesota is a unique place. Uh, we've got a wonderful practice facility. We've got a great venue in Williams Arena. Uh, we have wonderful fans, and, and we feel like we've got great young men that represent our basketball program day in and day out. What was their reaction? Did they have uh, express feedback to you in relation to, to where the situation is today? You know, my, they're, they're a mature group of young men, and, and they listened to the information. They took it all in. Uh, as you know, I, I give my cell number out to every student athlete, uh, to every person I work with, and they all have my cell number, and I encourage them to reach out to me with any questions or comments once they had a chance to soak in the information. Uh, Julie Manning, who is our Deputy Athletics Director and our Sport Administrator for Men's Basketball, was on the call with me along with Coach Conway and Ryan Livingston and, and Coach Feldy, our strength coach. Uh, so, again, uh, they, they did a lot of listening tonight. And I told them that we'll do our best to keep them updated as we go through this process. 
Um, you mentioned the uh, the difficulty whenever you have to do this, and you've had to you know release coaches in all of your jobs. I would think as athletic director. Um, in this case, it's a high profile situation, and I know you liked Richard Patino personally. You guys, and Richard's talked about it that you know no matter how this ended, you guys would remain friends. I enjoyed working with him. Uh, we all wished better success. So what what what? How difficult knowing that as a backdrop was this? Well, you hit the nail on the head. I, I'm a big Richard Patino fan. Uh, you know when I was hired. Five years ago, he and I had a chance to kind of get to know each other, to work with each other. And, and you've heard me say this many times. I think people would be shocked about our conversations. Uh, rarely was it about basketball. Uh, we, we talked about our families. We talked about our kids. Uh, we talked about the things we'd like to do outside of work. And, and he and I have a very good relationship. And, and I have a lot of respect for Richard uh, in, in the way he does things. Um, you know, he, he's the type of person. And, Mike, you travel with us. I know this year was very unique, but you travel with us. And, and Richard talks to everybody on the travel party, whether you're the entry level person or you're the top donor to the program, Richard spends time with you, uh, just a very genuine person and, and a good person. And, and obviously uh, that made it more difficult because he is such a great person. And, and I know Richard's going to go on to do some great things and, and just thankful for he, his wife, Jill and their kids and the commitment they gave to Minnesota. And we wish them nothing but success as they move forward. What was the last little bit of a timeline like? And then what do you foresee? As you mentioned, it can it may feel like an eternity as things are looking in the timeline then for the future as well well. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, I've had many conversations with President Gable, and I can't tell you, I hope people understand how supportive she is and what a great leader she is, not only for our institution, but for, for our athletics program. Uh, she truly gets our world and understands it, and she's been incredibly supportive. So obviously, I've had conversations with her, and our next steps, uh, quite honestly, is we'll start the process. You know, we, we uh, as you know, I like to be prepared. I, you know, I've, I've got a list of people uh, that, that we've been following for several years, and we'll, we'll kind to take a look at that list and, and expand that list and make sure we have a great broad group of people that we can look at for this program. And again, we feel like we have a very attractive job. I know other jobs have opened up today uh, in the Big Ten and the Big 12 and around the country. So obviously there's competition to go out and get these great coaches. But again, we feel like being in the Big Ten, having a world-class research institution, uh, we can offer a lot of special things to a great coach. And again, we've got a great group of young men who represent our program day in and day out. So uh, we're going to do everything we can to find the right fit for this program. What are you looking for in the new coach? Whenever that day is is that you make the decision, what are you hoping to uh, to see in that person? Well, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things, Mike, that, that, that I try to steer. You know, I've been incredibly fortunate, you know, spending seven years at Kentucky with Mitch Barnhart and being able to watch him go through the process of hiring two basketball coaches there uh, and then having a chance once I became an athletic director to hire coaches and, and work with people. You know, it, it's great for me to – to get that experience and learn to that. But, but I think, you know, when I, when I look at a program, you know, I think you look at four facets, Mike. I think you look at from a compliance standpoint. Uh, I think you look at an academic standpoint. Um, I think you look at a PR and fundraising standpoint. And then obviously there's a competitive standpoint. You know, I, I've talked long and, and hard about, you know, our, our, our goal is to compete at a high level. In, in the Big Ten Conference, if you compete at a high level, you're going to have an opportunity to be in the NCAA tournament and do some special things, and that's our expectation. So, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to do our best to identify a pool of candidates that come from a diverse background that can offer special things in Minnesota, but people who understand the importance of the compliance, the academics, the PR fundraising, and the competitive side of it. That's Gopher Athletic Director Mark Coyle and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.